might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody, okay? We're talking about attitude and behavior. You know, um, attitude and behavior are a big deal because they really are a lot of the fuel that gets us through our day and helps us get things done. Um, They also affect how we relate to people and what you know are we friendly are we somebody that's a magnetic personality or are we somebody that takes people down but you know you can really tell a person's attitude on some really hot topics that, uh, you know, just continue to boil in our society. Uh, things like uh, what's your opinion on the death penalty? You know, which political party uh, does a better job of running the country? You know, should be prepared, be allowed in schools? Should violence on television be regulated? You know, there's a lot of uh, chances that you probably have very strong opinions on these kind of questions. And if you've developed attitudes about those issues, these attitudes influence your beliefs as well as your behavior. And so the attitudes are, are really important, um, especially if you look at social psychology, which is primarily where this show comes from and what, what we're going to be working with. We're going to be working with a lot of social psychology um, theory. And so that kind of plays into this. So, you know, psychologists define attitudes as a learned tendency to evaluate things in, in a certain way. And this can include, you know, like evaluations of people of issues, objects, events, and and those evaluations are often positive and negative, but they can also be uncertain. And so, you know, you may have mixed feelings about a particular person or a particular issue, but there's very specific components of attitudes that are, and and, uh, they're oftentimes referred to the ABCs of the attitude. Um, There's the affective component, which is how the, the object, the person or issue or event makes you feel. And then there's the behavioral component, how the attitude influences your behavior. And then the cognitive component, which is the thought based component are your thoughts and beliefs about the subject. You know, uh, what are they? And so these attitudes can also be explicit and implicit. So explicit attitudes are uh, something like we are uh, consciously aware of and that we clearly influence our behaviors and our beliefs. Now, implicit attitudes are a little different. They're in the unconscious or the subconscious, and they still have an effect on our beliefs and behaviors, but we really haven't let them surface completely. Uh, for whatever reason may be. And so there's a, you know, there's a, a, a number of factors that can influence how, how and why attitudes form. And so there's experience, obviously, and there's attitudes formed directly as a result of experience. And they may emerge uh, due to uh, direct personal experience or they may result from observation. You know, for instance, somebody may have a bad time in a crowd at some event and now, now they've got an attitude towards going into a crowd. They don't ever want to go to a crowd. So, you know, people when they're uncomfortable will project ahead as if they're going to be uncomfortable and then they are uncomfortable because that's what they get in their heads based on one uh, social situation. 
There's also the social factors. So there's social roles and social norms, and these have an influence on our attitudes. Like social roles are, are basically how people are expected to behave in a particular role or context, a situation. And then there's social norms, and that involves society's rules for what behaviors are considered appropriate. And then, uh, then we have the learning factor about attitudes, and they could be learned in a variety of ways. You know, advertisers use like cl- classical conditioning, which is a part of behavior modification, uh, to influence your attitude towards a product. And so TV commercials are full of attitude. And that attitude, especially in children's commercials, that attitude uh, can really dictate how people feel about something and cause them to have the impulse to buy. You know, uh, you know, you see young, uh, uh, nice-looking people having fun on a beach while enjoying a sports drink. Um, this this uh, attractive and appealing imagery causes you to develop a, an association with that particular beverage. And then the, the operant conditioning, that can be used to influence how attitudes develop. And, um, and so, you know, basically... When uh, those things develop, imagine uh, like a young person who started smoking. So whenever they light a cigarette, people complain, chastise, and ask him to leave their vicinity. That negative feedback from those around him eventually causes him to develop an unfavorable opinion of smoking, and he decides to give up the habit. Um, so that's an operant conditioning. There's also uh, these learned attitudes from observing people. You know, when somebody you admire greatly ex- espouses a particular attitude, you're more likely to develop the same beliefs. Uh, you know, for example, ch- children spend a lot of time observing the attitudes of their parents and usually begin to demonstrate their outlooks. So how do we tie this attitude and behavior together? Well, you know, we tend to assume that people behave according to their attitudes. However, in social psychology, attitudes and actual behavior are not always perfectly aligned. And so plenty of people support a particular candidate or a political party, yet they fail to go out and vote. So there's those factors that influence the attitude, uh, which is the strength of the attitude. You know, people are more likely to behave according to their attitudes under certain conditions. When your attitudes are a result of a personal experience, that's when attitude will take over. When you're an expert on a subject, when you expect a favorable outcome, when the attitudes are repeatedly expressed, um, you know, when you stand to win or lose something due to an issue. So attitudes can change uh, to, to basically match other, other behaviors. You know, people may actually alter their attitudes in order to better align them with their behavior. So, you know, if you think about cognitive dissonance, um, that's distancing yourself from a thought. It, it's a phenomenon in which a person experiences psychological distress due to conflicting thoughts or beliefs. And, and in order to reduce the tension, they may change their attitudes to reflect their other beliefs or actual behaviors. And so I, I, I always say, you know, if you're going to uh, have a fear-based thought, you need to have a faith-based thought. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is, you know, life is lots of leaps of faith. And so you have a fear thought, so you predict a negative outcome. And now you have a faith thought, well, this may turn out to be a great thing. You know, so it could go either way. So why don't you have both thoughts so that you can alleviate the fear and overcome it with faith? Because that's where life is, faith. And... Um, 
the also um, the expectations we were talking about, you know, if we're expecting to win, you know, if we're expecting to be an expert, if we're expecting a favorable outcome, you know, if we operate under those kind of conditions, you're going to fall into a lot of depression because expectations have a lot of strength. So what's better is if you're going to form an attitude, also form a preference. I prefer my team won. You know, I'd prefer this person did this. I prefer I had more money in the bank. Then what happens is we basically begin to be able to cope with things better and operate better. And we don't live in this fear of I'm going to win or lose um, based Based on the scenarios, and that takes that takes away from who we think we are and our attitude about ourselves and our self-esteem. You know, um, some people may alter their attitudes to you know uh, better align them. Uh, with better behavior and and maybe begin to say, you know, you know, like coming from a Christian perspective, I, I have faith that God will give me the outcomes that I need God to give me the outcomes on uh, to live a life that's reflective of God. And that comes from a Christian perspective. But other people may, you know, I, I believe that if you're a non-secular person, uh, you may believe that, you know, I, I have faith that this is going to work itself out. I have all the right people. I can't control everything, but I think I've done everything to get things in the right place. So I have faith that it's going to turn out well. You know, that's another way to go about it. So, you know, how do we change this attitude thing? Uh, First of all, you know, let's let's say you've always placed a high value on financial security, but but you start dating someone who's financially unstable. And in order to reduce the tension, uh, you have two options. You can end the relationship or seek out a partner who's more financially secure. You can de-emphasize the physical stability importance in order to minimize the distance uh, between the conflicting attitude and the behavior. And you either have to change the attitude or change your actions. So when you know going about this, you know while attitudes can have a powerful effect on your behavior, they're not set in stone. So. You know, there's the learning theory of attitude change. That's classical conditioning, operant conditioning, observable learning can be used to bring about an attitude change. So classical conditioning is basically a positive emotional reaction to an object, a person or event and associating positive feelings with that object. And so operant condition can be used to strengthen the attitudes and weaken undesirable ones. And people also change their attitudes after observing the behavior of other people. And so altogether, that's one way in which a person can create change. And that's coming from a learning theory. And, and there's also a, a, a elaboration likelihood theory, and this is basically persuasion. And, and so people can alter their attitudes in, in a couple of ways. They can be motivated to listen and think about the message, and then they shift their attitude, or they might be influenced by the characteristics of a speaker leading temporarily or to a, a, a temporary surface shift in their attitude. So messages that are thought-provoking and that appeal to logic are more likely to lead to a permanent change in, in people's attitudes. So that would be, uh, from, my, from my perspective, somebody that's like a minister, if they're both motivated to talk about what they're talking about, but they're also intensely got, they have good content, um, that is going to be somebody that's going to use that persuasion uh, to get you to think differently. Also, then there's this dissonance thing that we're talking about. 
And that's, uh, you know, people can change their attitudes when they have conflicting beliefs about something. So in order to reduce the tension about these incompatible beliefs, they often shift their attitudes. You know, um, we might... Uh, think about, you know, hey, this person has a really good attitude. Well, if you think somebody's got a good attitude, that's likely somebody you want to have in your life. That's likely somebody you want to frame yourself on top of. Because, you know, all attitudes are also an evaluative way in which we see the world. Um, What that means is it's a preference. for or against an attitude, and it's uh, it's expressed in terms like I prefer, I dislike, I hate, I love. When we express our attitudes, for instance, when we say I like swimming or I hate snakes or I love parents, we are expressing the relationship, either positive or negative, between ourselves and those objects. So statements such as these make it clear that attitudes are an important part of self-concept. For instance, I've had uh, I, some parts in my life. I've had exotic birds, and uh, African greys, and cockatoos, and all kinds of other birds. Yeah. But the the thing was, is when I see birds, it makes me happy. It brings out a happiness in me, and I love seeing them and playing with them and having a good time, because. I have an association based on my experience with birds. And so uh, growing up with some birds, um, not in my house, but uh, then having some in my own home, that was a fantastic experience. You know, every human being holds lots of attitudes, including those about family and friends, about political figures, abortion rights, terrorism, preferences for music. You know, each of our attitudes has its own unique characteristics. So, for instance, you're sitting in your car and you're just flipping on the radio and you're flipping stations trying to find a song you like. And when something hits that attitude that's close to how you're feeling or how you want to feel, guess what? You're going to tune right into it, even though you might not have heard it in 10 years. Um, so we have an effect, you know, a cognitive effect. We're like a roller coaster because our genetic code has given us a, a, a thrill-loving personality in part because we have some really great times on roller coasters. But still, other attitudes are learned by the media and uh, others are learned through our interactions with friends. And, uh, you know, if you look at this in terms of affect, um, they feel happy when when we find happiness, we, when we want to find Find happiness, then we feel happy. In terms of behavior, we we recycle. Uh, you know, let's say we recycle uh, bottles and cans, and that makes us feel better. So we have an attitude that we're taking care of the environment. And uh, you know, let's look at recycling again. Uh, as far as thoughts, well, it's the right thing to do. So that makes me feel better as a human being. You know. Um, so it's whatever your attitude is about it. And you know, what's so funny is. Um, now I'm living in a city that's very recycling oriented. I mean, strict, I mean like strict. And so I had to change my attitude about recycling to be much more diligent about what containers go where and how things are disposed of. Uh, when you live near water, uh, recycling is a very, very, very important aspect of your life. And you have to take a different type of responsibility than what you may do living out in the desert. Although most attitudes are determined by affect and behavior and cognition, there's always this variability regarding people and 
across their attitudes. Some attitudes are more likely to be based on feelings. Some are more likely to be based on behaviors. Some are more likely to be based on beliefs. So your attitude towards chocolate ice cream is probably determined in a large part by effect. Although you can describe it, it's taste, mostly you just like it. And so your attitude towards your toothbrush, on the other hand, is probably more cognitive. Yes, I have to do this. This is a functional thing. So I'm not going to be enthusiastically brushing my teeth every day with a great big smile. And and still, there's, there's other of your attitudes maybe based more on your behavior. For example, your attitude towards note-taking, your attitude towards exercise, your attitude towards uh, washing the dishes, you know, whatever your attitudes are plays a big role in how consistently you do good things. And, you know, if you look at persuasion every day, we're bombarded by advertisements. And and the goal of the ads is to sell you things. And so the the ads appear on billboards, pop-ups, buses, infomercials, internet, Everywhere, social media, everywhere you go, there is advertising. And so there's substantial evidence that advertising is effective in changing people's attitude. And so, you know, look at back a few years ago. I don't know if anybody remembers this when the Joe Camel uh, cigarettes were out there. Um, basically, they had them taken away because the camel looked so cool that children increased smoking because of that cool camel. And so they had to kind of cut that back and change their logo because they were able to prove how much that camel influenced the smoking of those camel cigarettes. You know, um, so, you know, marketers can market, but that doesn't mean they have values. <laughs> and so, all right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about persuasion, then we're going to dive into behavior. We're going to go back into the social aspects, and then we're going to talk about perception. Come back. <laughs> Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You'll learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and a replay Fridays at 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about attitude and behavior. And boy, do those things go together, but they're very different. Very, very, very different. You know, if you want to persuade people, you need to have effective persuaders. You know, if you want to get someone's attention and send an effective message, then you have to ensure that they process a message in the way we'd like them to hear it. You know, and to if you're going to accomplish that, the persuader must consider the thought-based, cognitive, the effective, and the behavioral aspects of their method. So behaviors, uh, I mean, persuaders, uh, they also have to understand how to communicate um, what what they're presenting and how it relates to the message to the recipient and his or her motivations and their desires and their goals towards that is what they're trying to embellish on other people. You know, so there's a lot of research that's demonstrated that the same message will be more effective if it's delivered by a more persuasive communicator. So in general, we can say that communicators are more effective when they help their recipients feel good about themselves. And that's basically appealing to your self-concern. You know, for instance, attractive communicators are usually effective persuaders than than are unattractive communicators. Also, attractive communicators create a, a positive association with something that they're trying to sell, and, and this puts us in a good mood, which makes us more likely to accept their messages. And as many uh, marketing people out there know, uh, you know, uh, free gifts such as mailing labels, small toys in their in their request for charitable donations. We're, we're more likely to respond to communicators who offer us something personally beneficial from it. And so we're also uh, more persuaded by people who are similar to us in terms of opinions, values than by those we perceive as different. Talk about prejudice. All right. That's of course, why advertisements target teenagers frequently, they use teenagers to present the message because teenagers are incredibly impulsive, uh, usually. And um, and so yeah, they, they also target uh, the, the elderly because the elderly have more time on their hands and are sitting in front of television a lot and listening to media a lot because – they're tired <laughs> and they're old. <laughs> so, you know, when communicators are perceived as attractive, uh, you know, we like them. 
And we also tend to trust people that we like. Um, you know, the success of like, I don't know if you remember this, but like Tupperware parties, uh, you know, where friends get together to buy products from other friends. And that's more to the do uh, to the fact that the salesperson's kind of out of the picture and it's your friend. And so that's different. You, you have a much better time buying something from a friend than you will a salesperson. You know, it might not surprise you to hear that we we can often predict people's behaviors if we know their thoughts and their feelings about the attitude. And so you might be surprised to find our actions also have an influence on our thoughts and feelings. So think think about this. You're going down to buy a new car and you know you're there, but you don't quite have the money. And so the person, the salesperson develops an attitude towards a vehicle and how it matches your personality and that attitude may rub off on you and make you feel better about that car and then they offer you a creative way to pay for that car and all of a sudden uh, you're like I can see myself in that boom jump pay and debt and so you know but boy it feels good driving that car because you developed an attitude and that's what salespeople do they help you develop an attitude to make you feel like you need something and how it relates to you as a person you know um it turns out that if we engage in a behavior, particularly one that we, we'd not expected that we would have, our thoughts and feelings towards that behavior are likely to change. And see, you know, that may not seem uh, intuitive, but basically it represents another, you know, example of how the principles of social psychology uh, may play in here. You know, the principle of attitude of consistency leads us to make predictions that wouldn't otherwise be obvious. So let's just say you go on vacation and you end up in this little spot that you never knew was in a place and you develop a, like, oh, a great attitude towards maybe a restaurant in that place. And you're like, oh, wow, I got to have that. I got to do that. That's all fresh food is fresh and it's local and da, 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 da. And you sell yourself on it and bang, you find yourself going back there and back there and back there. You completely change your attitude towards maybe a food or a village or a people that you never uh, had before. So now you've got a link to those people. You know, um, you know, th- there might be, uh, you know, people have an avid interest in understanding the causes of behavior, you know, both their own behavior and other people. And, and doing this also helps meet the important goals of other uh, concern and self-concern. So we can we can really understand how and why other people around us act the way they do. And then we will have a better chance of avoiding harm of others and a better chance of getting those other people to cooperate with and like us. And if we have a better idea and understanding of what causes our behavior, we can better work to keep the behavior in line with our preferred plans and goals. And some cases, um, you know, people may be unsure about their attitudes towards different um, objects. For instance, um, you know, perhaps someone is unsure about uh, schoolwork versus listening to music. So their interest is more in the music and less in the schoolwork. And so they may find themselves, because of their attitude towards music, they get pulled away from the necessary ingredient, which is the homework, which they they have a poorer attitude about. And so they find themselves escaping from that. And, you know, um, you know, the, the, if you look at your own behavior, 
it helps you determine what your thoughts and feelings are. And, and, and if you understand that and how and, re- and why you act the way you do, um, basically you're able to learn how to conduct yourself and how to understand how to relate to other people. You know, it's a hope that you can better understand how to fit uh, your behavior and, and, your, and your attitude into a bigger social psychology because attitudes are central because they provide an organizing principle that helps us understand when and how our beliefs, feelings, and behaviors work together. And so, you know, hopefully in looking at that, you can see that uh, ideas about how to prevent uh, persuasion from occurring might come into your head because you can go, okay, they're messing with my attitude. They're trying to help change my attitude, and I'm not going to let them change my attitude, And if, especially if it's something that's not good for you. You know, one of the topics these days in many states is marijuana. You know, for years and years and years, marijuana has been looked at in a very negative light. And, uh, you know, and quite frankly, it's it's not that great for you, even though a lot of people think it is. Um, you know, it may help with pain, and that's sometimes a good thing. Um, but then there's other effects that it has. You know, it's not like OSHA or, or drug enforcement or anybody else can sit there and regulate uh, uh, marijuana. They'd have to sample every bit of it, and they'd all be too high to make a judgment after it. But marijuana is, in many states, it's now legal. And so you, it's on every corner in shops and all kinds of places and call all kinds of versions of it. Um, by the way, the ones that you eat will usually land you in uh, the emergency room. But, you know, bottom line is, um, looking at marijuana, now we have to shift our attitude because it's right there in your face. It's right there in your face. But you also have to understand that something like marijuana may factor how you get a job or if you get a job, because a corporation does not have to follow the laws of the land to determine who they are going to hire and who they're not. And so, uh, you know, it's not like the federal government has much of a ability to change the laws on marijuana uh, simply because they can't regulate it. And so, you know, once again, people are in the in-between. They don't, they're trying to shift attitude, but they really have, have and haven't. Everybody's got their position on something like that. Uh, By the way, marijuana does affect attitude. (laughs) So (laughs) you may, you may want to also consider self-perception and cognitive dissonance as you analyze your behavior. You know, can you remember times when your behavior influenced your attitude? Where the attitude changed as a result of how you perceived yourself? You know, do you remember feeling negative emotions associated with uh, uh, cognitive dissonance? Perhaps, you know, you know, if you think about your behavior, uh, maybe you had to act a certain way. Um, I know coaching little kids, you got to be positive, strong, attentive, and and very empathetic towards little children. And so when you're coaching, your attitude is extremely important because if you have a bad attitude, your kids are going to have a worse attitude. <laughs> and so it's really important if you're coaching to, to have a good thing. So your behavior, even though inside yourself, you'd rather be, you know, having a cup of coffee or something, but You know, inside yourself, you've got to form a good attitude based on what behavior is needed. So you use, you change your attitude to adapt to uh, playing that game or running that uh, uh, that uh, uh, practice. All right. 
So um, attitudes basically are positive and negative evaluations, and there's a lot of gray in between. So our attitudes are, are, are based on, once again, effect, behavior, and cognition. So those attitudes are more important than others because they are useful to us and they have an impact on our daily lives. So the importance of an attitude uh, quickly will operate your entire day. If, if you have a depressed attitude, let's just say you feel depressed and you give your emotions a lot of attitude, like I'm depressed, I'm, bad, I know I'm, not, I, I, I'm just going to feel this way. And so they, people attach to, like, say, depression or anxiety, and they turn it into basically an object, and then they relate to it as uh, the disorder with an attitude that they're defeated, and then they go into this long uh, journey uh, of falling deeper into anxiety or depression. And those are cognitive disorders. But, you know, if we're going to attach to these objects and put an attitude behind it, it's going to be really hard to break that. Same thing with addictions. You know, if you have a positive uh, 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 relationship to wine or to, to beer or to whatever, uh, uh, painkillers, whatever, if you developed an attitude towards those things, that enhances your ability to stop, your inability to stop taking it because you have an attitude towards it that it's going to change you. You know, people that take like uh, meth, you know, that basically turns them into Superman They they have or Superwoman. They have no sense of self. They just believe they're like godlike and they can do anything and laws don't matter. People don't matter. They come first and all of a sudden they go from feeling like the worst human being known on the planet to most incredible person and it's raised their spirit and turned them into somebody that they're not and then they wake up and they're crashed again and they have to have meth again because that crash um, has turned them back down into the, the gutter. So, you know, uh, persuasion messages may be processed either spontaneously or thoughtfully, but spontaneous and emotional processing of messages, it, it may be uh, affected because positive or negative effect makes the message more salient, causing it to grab our attention. You know, the, look, look at all these actors that make political statements, you know, on, on the stage whenever they can get a chance. I mean, they their attitude is they're better than us. They can influence us based on their behavior because of their fan base and the people that look up to them. And so they use that to create a different forum and they throw their attitude towards a political topic or whatever it may be. And they want to influence us in that little moment, uh, like a little info commercial uh, for themselves. And it's sad because they're basically trying to create a, a forum that they don't belong, but you know, that's how people do it. You know, we may be able to help people develop resistance to persuasion by reminding them that a persuasive message will be coming and having them practice how they're going to respond to those attempts. And those techniques are called forewarning and inoculation. And, uh, um, and then uh, when the social situation actually causes a behavior, but the individual does not realize that the social situation was a cause, that's a phenomenon with an insufficient justification. So over-justification occurs when we view our behavior as caused by the situation. And that 
basically will lead us to, uh, you know, dis, di, uh, discount the extent in which our behavior was actually caused by that. And so it's very important, you know, in the social situation um, actually causes a behavior, but the individual doesn't realize the social situation was a cause. So, um, you know, looking at that, we can live our life without thinking. I mean, we could just bounce around like a pinball uh, if we're going to allow uh, our life to influence us. And some people are more influenced than other people. More Other people develop a forewarning and develop a discipline uh, based on an attitude. Uh, and so they develop that discipline to shape their life into what they want it to be. Some people just roll with it and they allow themselves to be influenced by how people view them, how their spouse views them, how their children view them, uh, how their friends view them, how their family views them. And so they, they, they live externally. And so those folks are more influenced by life itself and less in charge of their life. So, you know, persuaders are uh, use principles of attitude and behavior consistently to create change. And through those techniques, such as a foot in the door, it's called a, you know, like a foot in the door or a low ball technique, bait and switch technique, they can change people's perception. And that, that you know, uh, uh, people are often very skilled at, at uh, personal perception. And that's the process of learning about other people. And our brains are designed to help us judge others. And uh, sometimes effectively, sometimes not. And, uh, you know, the infants, they love to look at faces of people more than they do uh, other visual patterns because they quickly learn to identify people by their emotional expressions as to whether they're safe or not. So as adults, we're able to identify and remember a potentially unlimited number of people as we navigate our social environments and we form impressions. And as we walk through our day, barely knowing somebody, but walking, let's say, through a mall, we suddenly are able to judge, 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 judge and we project and we make things easier rather than get to know the individuals. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to roll into perception, self, uh, self-perception, and our social influences. You know, this thing's about how to run your life. And so come back. your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? 
Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We were talking about attitude and behavior. You know, this is interesting because multi-billion dollar industries out there right now are dependent on your attitude and behavior. Uh, Just look at Google. Look at Amazon. Look at the Internet as itself. Um, All of that is always tracking your attitude towards what you consistently look at. And so they throw it back at you because they've assessed, you know, like you go on Twitter and you look at a certain site and all of a sudden you get 40 other sites at the uh, search window for the same thing in different variances. And so what's interesting is that, you know, learning about people is like learning about another object. But here's the deal, you know, our phones and how we learn through our phones and through our computers and iPads and whatever else we have, you know, the bottom line is that connection is is not a one-way process. It is a two-way process and you have no idea, but they are tracking and assimilating how you think. And basically influencing you, throwing back things to you that you might be interested in based on what you continue to look at. If you're going to look for trip information, all of a sudden all the trip sites are going to start coming up. If you're looking for money and finances, then all of a sudden the finances stuff is going to come right back to you. And it's a two-way street. And a lot of people don't really understand that um, because they're looking and they're thinking they're doing all this in their own private little mind. But the sad part is that phone or that iPad or that computer is also tracking. And, you know, unfortunately, if you're in a corporation and you decide to look at pornography, that's going to come back on you, too, because that's being tracked. So, you know, our behaviors, our attitudes towards things, we have to be careful because they have a bigger and stronger influence on us because we are now surrounded by technology that tracks us and, and, and constantly looks at how we operate as people. You know, um, the this, this social dynamic, you know, we need to learn about. We need, you know, uh, uh, our, our focus here is to remember 
that we are very judgment-oriented creatures, and we can make this world black and white and develop an, an attitude towards what we don't like and develop an attitude towards what we like. And you need to be careful about that because you're going to stifle your life if you're not open to the world in general and begin to, instead of macro-manage your life, micromanage it in a way that you're getting to know people and allowing yourself to learn and to adapt to other people's points of view, other people's perceptions. Um, especially if you're going to marry someone, you, you're you not going to agree on everything. You need to understand their perception, whether you agree and, and you, or you think they're absolutely crazy. That's where you need to practice in a relationship when you hear someone that you love giving you a different perception. Be willing to hear it lovingly. You know, and validate it. Don't disrespect them. Take it in. And the more we see the world as black and white, the more we're going to have what are called uh, 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 micro uh, micro prejudices, um, because we tend to uh, begin to reflect from that state of mind of black and white thinking. Uh, and project that on other people uh, if they remind us of something. So it's very important for people to be uh, 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 more open in this day and age and have a better attitude towards what it is to be a human being, have a better attitude towards people with different perceptions. You know, um, our personality traits also help us understand and communicate about you know, other people. And, you know, how do we know what traits we have? We, well, you know, we, it, we don't walk around with labels saying I'm generous or I'm aggressive on our foreheads. But in some cases, thinking back on our discussions of our reputation, we may learn that a, a person indirectly, for instance, through comments that other people make about that person, uh, we, we may call that, a, a, you know, it helps us learn about people and their traits by observing them and interpreting their behaviors. Um, yeah, I remember, um, you know, my, one of my sisters, she's a uh, uh, really awesome person and a really good nurse, but she's very aggressive. She likes to be bossy. And so, you know, I was, before she met my wife, I was like, oh, no, I've got to get in front of this. And I couldn't get in front of it. And so my sister met my wife and uh, bang, <laughs> they, they got off great. They got off great. But I was like giving my wife a forewarning, you know, she's kind of bossy and blah, blah, blah. And, and she took that as a, a sense of humor. She took that as a, a, a sense of uh, she loves you. So that's that's a different attitude. And that rubs off on me. Now I have that attitude more about my sister. I'm less cautious. You know, although, you know, it, we can infer personality by observing behavior and looking at other people. But we have to remember, you know, if you see somebody dressed up as in goth, you may have an attitude towards them or or somebody that's uh, wearing a, a nice suit, we may have an attitude or somebody that's all dressed up compared to other people that are walking around in jeans, we may have a different attitude towards them. We may even have an attitude towards someone that's wearing fashionable uh, logoed uh, clothes rather than just unlogoed simple clothes that look similar. So we may be very <clears throat> judgmental about other people based on what they wear, how they act, uh, what they do. But we have to understand that if you're aggressive, let's say in a certain situation, people will remember that and go, oh, that's that aggressive person. So every time they see you and see other people, they're kind of like warning them that, 
person is kind of aggressive, you know, be careful. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's just the fact that people are nervous. You know, uh, people get nervous in crowds. People get nervous when they're meeting people for the first time. People get nervous going into an environment they haven't been to before, you know. And, and so sometimes that can that behavior is taken, you know, some people laugh when they should be crying. It's just that people don't know how to deal with it. So we have to be a little more empathetic with people um, because it may just be nerves that causes them to have a different attitude. But some people are just so judgmental, they just label and run. You know, behavior can be influenced by both the person and the situation. So we have to attempt to determine which of these causes are more strongly determined. Uh, You know, uh, the casual attribution, because we cannot see the personality, we have to infer that that personality is there. So when a couple we know breaks up, despite what seemed to be a match made in heaven, we're naturally curious. What could have caused the breakup? Was it some something somebody said or about stress, financial hardship? What was the deal? And why didn't they ask us? Why didn't they let us get involved? Well, people are very private, especially in their relationships. And oftentimes you're going to find that people aren't what you thought they'd be. You know, quite frankly, you know, if you work at a corporation, let's say they have a attitude. They have a guideline about how they operate and how they interact with each other. They have a cultural environment that may be different than the person that works there. So the person adapts to that cultural environment and then they go home and they have a different perspective. So they may be an absolute monster at home, an absolute top professional uh, in in the in the thing, you know, as a therapist, I know personally, uh, you know, I, I try to be completely legit uh, when I'm doing therapy. I try to be completely myself when I'm doing the show. But you know, there's probably aspects of me that don't show up there. Um, probably the most unhealthy stuff that certainly doesn't show up there. <laughs> and, and and so you know, bottom line is we we do hide things and we don't allow people to see it all the time, and that can catch people off guard. It's Especially if they thought that person's been in pain, but nothing, they never said anything. You know, that's kind of sad, but that's how we operate. We can, we keep things in a vacuum, depending on how uh, trusting or untrusting we are in other people. That's why I talk about faith, because if you go with faith, you're going to take a lot more chances. You're going to communicate differently with more positive behavior than you are with fear. People that operate in fear they basically cope with life. People that operate in faith actually live life because they take chances. Very, very important. You know, it's it's really uh, easy to make personal attributions to other people, to other objects. But, you know, when a behavior is unusual or unexpected in a particular situation, we can, you know, it's easy for us to judge. Imagine you go to a party and you're introduced to a person and they shake your hand. And they say, nice to meet you. Can you, you know, can you uh, readily conclude on the basis of that behavior that they're a friendly person? Well, probably not, because the social context demands that people act in a friendly way. So, you know, how we make attributions towards people and objects and events, we only usually have limited information. You know, if you're going to go to a casino and somebody just won a million dollars, you're going to have a lot different attitude uh, by hearing everybody scream and shout and blah, blah, blah. Now, now I have the possibility I could win a million dollars. Woo! You know, I could put a quarter in. Right, put a quarter in. Not anymore. But, you know, and maybe win big. You know, so there, there's a lot of 
you know, simple uh, aspirations or simple behaviors that we attribute uh, to different events based on uh, it's it's basically a moving target. You know, when people have multiple sources of information about a behavior of a person, they can make attributions by assessing. The relationship between a person's behavior and the social context, you know, it's it's called a covariation principle if you studied statistics. And and basically that states that a given behavior is more likely to have been caused by the situation if that behavior uh, um, changes across situations. So our job then is to study the patterns basically of a person's behavior across different situations in order to help us draw – you know, an idea about what causes their behavior. And so there's a consistency of information. The situation seems to be the cause of the behavior because a a situation always produces the behavior. And then there's the distinctiveness. uh, And that's where uh, it occurs when the situation is present, but not when it's not present. And then there's consensus information, which means that uh, the same behavior uh, is found in in most people. And so we form a bias uh, and it's useful to helping us, you know, successfully interact with other people. You know, if you, uh, like you're going to go to church, you're going to go to a job, whatever, you're going to have to adapt to those behaviors many times. And some people that don't adapt to it um, might not fit in or might have a tough time fitting in or might not be related to by other people. You know, our attributions are, are biased because we, we often look too quick with, with an attribute towards a behavior of other people. Uh, for instance, uh, let's just say. Somebody goes to church and they came from a church that's very interactive with the minister. So they shout and they say things and they amen it and they do all that stuff. But they're sitting in a church where people just sit there quietly listening to the sermon and then maybe go off and talk or have their small groups or whatever. But they didn't come from that background. So they might have trouble relating to the the person that's shouting. But they also may find that refreshing uh, to hear somebody, hey, they may have a better attitude towards that. But that would likely be the minority, not not the majority. So the culture that we live in has a significant impact on the way we think about and perceive our world. And it's not surprising that people in different cultures tend to think about people at least somewhat differently. And so, you know, if we think about our self-perception, that is the mirror in which the other people in the world see us. So if we have a good self-perception, a good attitude about ourselves, a good attitude about our knowledge, a good attitude about meeting people, we're going to have, if we have that self-perception that we are people that are interested in other people and empathetic with other people, we're going to have a better time relating to other people. You know, understanding other people means you have to understand yourself. And, And if you're familiar with the processes that we use to develop our perception, we can understand how other people form their perceptions and relate to them in a different way. And, you know, with with new knowledge of a person in hand, you may be refreshed by the idea you could get to know somebody that you may not have liked. And all of a sudden it's like, wow, I didn't know that person was that way. We also conform to social influence in part to meet our goals of forming accurate knowledge about the world around us. And by using options and recommendations of others to help us make better decisions, conformity 
also involves the effective processes because we want to be liked and accepted by other people. We may sometimes behave in ways that we may not really have wanted to or if we've thought about. You know, that's interesting because today if you're a conservative living in a liberal environment or a liberal living in a conservative environment, to show all your values and your thoughts may not be something that's even safe. You know, people may destroy your house or throw things at at, you know, at your kids or throw things at you or, or really do nasty things to you in, a, in this divided political environment we're in. So if you let's say you put a, a sign out in your front yard in an environment that's pretty much socially against what you're for, uh, you're going to find yourself to be a target, um, unfortunately. And that's because uh, people can be very black and white and their attitude uh, drives them towards something. So we have to be careful about what influences us. And we have to be careful about the power that we give other people. And so it's really important for all of us to gather our thoughts and to understand how to be better people. That's our show. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. You can do that through our webpage, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology, voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel. Now, remember, you never know who you marry until you divorce them. By the way, that's mine. Also remember, most songs are about setting boundaries and wishing you had. <laughs> also remember, the only people upset about you setting boundaries are the ones benefiting from you having none. <clears throat> and by the way, after Monday and Tuesday, even our calendars say WTF. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 